0: I feel like some of you got some giants, and you're going to be the modern-day David, and you're going to go out right now in the field where the giant is standing. You're going to look that giant right in the eye, and you're going to say, I'm not afraid of you. See, the enemy wants you to be afraid. But you have something in your pocket, and that is called faith. You have faith in your pocket, not faith in yourself like the world would tell you. But you have faith in the God of the universe, the great deliverer, your Savior. Some of you, the giant may be a financial giant. Some of you, it may be a health giant. Some of you, it may be a relationship giant. Some of you, it may be a ministry giant. Whatever the giant, a family giant, a child giant. Whatever the giant may be that you say, you know what? This thing seems like it's just defeating me or that I'm afraid of it. Just like Valerie was saying, it's time for you to get out the faith and swing swing. And you know what? As we sing the song, I just felt like you need to stand like David did and go and face that giant. Face it. You know what people do? and 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 it creates a lot of actually emotional and mental and even physical unhealthiness is they suppress. In other words, they deny it. They say it doesn't exist or they don't want to deal with it. It's kind of like the person that doesn't want to open up their credit card statement because they don't want to really know the balance because then they're going to have to do something about it. The fact is this. Come on, let's look our giants right in the face and say, You're coming down. You're coming down. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of the challenge. I'm not afraid of what you're saying to me. Remember, Goliath said all kinds of things to David to try to intimidate him. See, your giant tries to intimidate you. The world tries to intimidate you. Even your own self, your own thought life tries to defeat you, your flesh. But it's time for you to say, I stand before the giant declaring victory. For my God has made a way and I am not afraid. He's before me. He's behind me. He's always beside me. No Just, this isn't a fake thing. This isn't Disneyland where we come and go, ooh, let's pretend to ride on the horsey. Come on. It's a real, it's real. He is real. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was with David in that field. He was with David in that valley facing that giant, and he is with you. He is with you in your valley facing the giant.
1: You know, I think of the the passage that Pastor Lynn referred to in 1 Samuel 17, where David was uh, confronting Goliath. And it's interesting because a lot of times in our battles, we look at the enemy and the thing that's attacking us rather than the one who's our defender and our shield. And I was thinking about that, and I opened up my, my, my Bible on my, my phone. And I thought about this because what David had done is David had spent a lot of time in the presence of the Lord. He spent a lot of time out on the backside of the the the, the sheep uh, fields, whatever it's called, the fields, the pastures. And while he was out there, he spent time with the Lord. You can be seated if you want. And one of the things that's interesting is that the soldiers who had been tasked with defeating their enemies were fearful. And it's interesting because when you read the text David comes up to them in in uh, in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel and in verse 26 he said David asked the men standing near him what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and re- removes this disgrace from Israel who is this uncircumcised Philistine that we should defy that he should defy the armies of the living God and it's interesting because he David's this young boy at this time. And, he, you know, he's this young guy that's just got this presence of the Lord in his life in such a strong way that he says, I'm not going to allow someone to defy our God. And then later on in the text, as you get down towards the end of the chapter, it says that as the Philistine moved closer, as Goliath moved closer to David, David started running towards him. Yeah, yeah you know it. David David was not afraid of the enemy. You and I don't need to be afraid of our enemy. You know, I was listening to some Hezekiah Walker yesterday and listening to a little Fred Hammond yesterday, and one of the songs that I was listening to was a song about no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. There will be weapons that are going to be formed against us. And this isn't like a Disney movie where we live happily ever after. There will be things in your life and in my life that are difficult, challenges, struggles, but no weapon formed against us will prosper. What does that mean? It will not overcome us. How do I know that? Because the Word of God says that. Listen to what Romans chapter 8 says. Romans 8 says this. And we know that God works some things. Is that the way some of us read it? It says, let me put my glasses on so I don't dis- deceive you. It says, and we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. What things does He work together? All things. All things. Not some things all things. And he says he works them together. And he says, this is what's interesting. If you look at the next verse, in verse 29, it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you know that God's desire for your life and my life is that we get transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus? You know, what happens when you're transformed? Has anyone ever tried to I, I'll pick on somebody, and it, it, Jose, do you ever try to squeeze into a pair of jeans that didn't fit you anymore? What do you do? I learned this trick from my wife. You lay down because you could fit in them better, right? You have to squeeze in them. Not that she wears tight jeans. I, that, 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 back up, David, you're getting in trouble. <laughs> but you have to be pressed. There's some sort of pressure that you have to get into. And see, the thing that a lot of times people don't want to do, they don't want to conform to the image of Christ. They want Christ to come in and take care of all their problems, but they don't want to conform to the image that Christ has for them. There's something that God has predestined. And here's the thing about God. He has a good and perfect plan for you. He knows everything about us. He knows the beginning and the ending of our days. He knows every circumstance and situation we get ourselves into and He gets ourselves out of. And He says this, He says... And and those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. We talked about being in his presence. What is the presence of the Lord? The glory of the Lord. What is the glory of the Lord? It's where the, the presence of God surrounds us and just encompasses us in every area of our life. And then I love what it says in verse 31. What shall we say in response to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? who can be against you and imply there is a, a great big nobody no weapon no thing no person no circumstance you know and when we think about this one of the things we say is well how do how do we know god's for us because the word of god declares it we have to quit going by our emotions emotions are are, are neither right or wrong they just are you know i could eat a really you know a bad piece of turkey My wife bought some turkey this last week, and I thought it was bad, and I wouldn't eat it because I took one piece and it bothered my stomach. And I told her, I said, "I, I can't eat that. There's something wrong with it. So what did she do? She threw it away. You know, now I have to go buy more turkey. But you know, you could eat something and it could change your emotions. You could be driving your car and someone cuts in front of you and it changes your emotions. You could get a piece of mail that doesn't even weigh three ounces and it could change your perspective. You could see something on the television or hear something on the radio, and it could change your perspective. But the Word of God says that none of these things can come against us. And I was thinking about walking. How do we walk in the fullness of the blessing of the Lord? Because that's really what the glory is. How do we maintain that presence? You know, David spent time alone. And if you're always around people, you have a real hard time to develop the presence of the Lord because there's too many distractions And I was thinking about this, and I thought there's two things that you and I could do to cultivate the presence of the Lord in our life. The first thing is is be responsive. Listen to what the Lord has to say. Obedience, you see, one of the things about obedience is that God doesn't care about our sacrifices. God wants us to obey Him, you know? God wants us to obey the Word. That's why a lot of Christians don't like to read the Bible, because They read the Bible, and they find out that they're not living in alignment with it, and He wants us to be in alignment this way. You know, we always want to have alignment this way, but He wants us to be aligned this way. It says, it doesn't say, seek all the things of the world, and all these things will be added to you. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. So when you're in right relationship with God this way, then all of these things on this level get brought into alignment. You know, I used to be a a runner. Now I'm just a treadmiller. Uh, I used to be able to run outdoors, but my old knees aren't what they used to be. And when I was running, I remember Nike had a slogan they used to say, "Just do it." You remember that Nike slogan? Well, you know, as believers, we just need to do it. We just need to believe what the Word of God says and do it. Not delay, not drag our feet. Just, just do it. You see, that's what David did. When David faced Goliath, he didn't stand back and come up with a 10-year strategy of how he was going to feed the giant. He says, "Lord, this this guy is defiling the armies of of the Lord." And someone has to do something. And he goes up to the military, and the military is just like, oh. And he says, you know what? God be for me. Who could be against me? He said, if, if, if God is for me, who could be against me? not some giant that was taller than everyone else that put the fear into the military. He says, you know what? I'm going to take my sling, and I'm not going to walk towards him. I'm going to sprint full throttle at him, and I'm going to attack him head on. I'm going to deal with him right at the very forefront of what we do, and I'm not going to allow anything to be a a deterrent to me. And the second thing we need to do is also we need to, and this is what I love about David's story, is he was very proactive in what he did. He didn't sit back and let it come to him. He didn't sit there and say, okay, Goliath, come on, come to me. He actually attacked the problem. And one of the things that I love about the Scripture is the Scripture tells us over and over that there is nothing that can come against us except ourselves. You know, that's your biggest enemy, you know? What was the quote by Winston Churchill? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Why? Because when we let fear get in there, it steals our faith. And what the Lord wants us to do is to be men and women of faith. And if you want the blessing of the Lord on your life, you have to walk as, as, as warriors in your faith. You can't allow little things to detract you or de- derail you, you know? I remember when I was a kid, I, I was a very mischievous little kid. I, I know you're, that's hard to believe. But we used to put coins, pennies on the railroad tracks. And I remember once I got stopped by a railroad policeman and actually was detained for a few minutes And he said, you know, the reason you don't want to put something small on a track was because you could derail the train. And I I was not trying to be a smart aleck, but I said, how can something that's not even this thick derail a train? You know, but so many times we let something that small derail the train of what the Lord's trying to do for us. And God wants you and I to walk in authority. He wants us to walk in in power. He wants us to walk in his presence. And the way we do that, we choose. That's why scripture says, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for the word of the Lord that challenges us. I want to thank you, God, for the book of Romans, Lord. What a a meaty, meaty book it is. And Lord, I want to thank you that God, that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you're for us, nothing could be against us. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that's in this room. Any person that may be listening to this on a podcast, Lord, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will invigorate our faith. I pray you would stir up our faith. Give us the faith that David had. Give us the faith that believes that you can do all things. Give us a faith that is is believing that God is is with us and that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And I pray that, God, that we can be men and women who could stand on the assurance of your word. Lord, culture changes preferences change but Lord your word endures forever and I pray that Lord you would just strengthen each and every one of us to believe your word to live your word and to actually uh, uh, do what it says Lord and we ask that in Jesus name amen now I want to tell you something folks as your pastor and as the pastoral staff here we want you guys to be strong in your faith we don't want you to be weak You know, we don't want you to have to depend upon someone else in your faith. We want you to be strong in your faith. And the way you get in stronger in your faith is by exercising the Word. You know, I have my Bible on my phone. You have your Bibles. You need to get in your Word. You need to study the Word. You need to meditate on it. You need to get into it daily, you know. I think if we would have a a true depiction of what we were like spiritually, the way we physically look, some of us would be malnourished. You know? And I want you to all be fat. I want you to be fat happy Christians. You know, I want you to be full of the Word so that when you get pressed by life, what comes out of you? The Word. That when pressures come, you, you say, you know what? I don't know what the situation says, but I know what the Word of God says. I don't know where I'm going to be in 10 years, but I know where the, what the Word of God says, where I'm going to be today. I'm going to be in the center of His palm. I'm going to be just grasped in His hand, in that nail-scarred hand that loves me and cares for me. Amen? Amen.
0: We're, gonna, we're doing a series calling Doing Hard Things. I'm sure that's not the most popular topic because who wants to do hard things? We want to do easy things and get a big reward for them. Right? 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 We want to do easy things and get a reward. I want to put in a little and get a lot out of it. That's kind of the way we're, we're wired as human beings most of the time. And so we have selected a lot of hard topics that actually have to do with solidifying your faith and actually making you a muscle Christian. The problem that, you know, the problem is, the problem is that we want to hear some things that tickle our ears. Do you understand what I mean? So we can, and there's plenty of that out there. Tell me what I want to hear, and then I think you're really an awesome preacher. You know what I mean? You're an awesome preacher. If you tell me what I want to hear, you confirm that I'm okay. If, you know, we played dodgeball with the Holy Spirit. How many of you ever played dodgeball before? What's the point of dodgeball? To not get hit. So when we, when Pastor Lens up there, I was like, okay, here we go, woo, I'm not, we did okay this week. But you know what? That's not really the goal because we don't change much unless we get confronted with issues that we actually struggle with. Do you understand what I mean? And the point of doing hard things is maybe talking about things that people don't want to talk about in our church culture in the United States because we want the big crowd. And to get the big crowd, we've got to keep it pretty inch deep because people don't want to be offended. They don't want to be offended. I don't want you to offend me. And, and you know, that's a hard struggle sometimes as a leader because I don't want to offend you either, by the way. <laughs> I mean, that's the last thing I want to do because, you know, I don't want to burn the bridge for you to hear what you need to hear. At the same time, we have to say what the Lord is saying and speak what the word of the Lord says. I have to tell you the truth. And we talk a lot about, and I love to do it, a power and authority. You have power. You have authority. And all that is true because Jesus bought that for you. But we can do things that have certain attitudes that erode that in our lives. Did you hear me? We can do certain things and have certain attitudes that erode the very thing Jesus purchased in our lives. And one of those things have to do with the concept of submission, Submission is not a popular word, not a liked word, and even is associated with some very negative experiences for people, negative contexts for people, even in the church, a lot of times in, quote, religious settings. And having been brought up in the church, I've seen a lot of abuse of the concept of submission, so I'm the perfect person to preach to you about it because the last thing I want for you is a sense of abuse. Okay, so I am the perfect person to preach this concept. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so what, what brought this up and to focused me to preach about submission for you? Well, recently, it's kind of a funny little story, but recently I was with somebody and she told me, and she wouldn't mind me telling you this, she's close, I consider her a very close spiritual friend kind of a person I hold myself accountable to in some ways in certain areas of my life. And she told me, um, she said it jokingly and sarcastically, but you know when somebody says something to you jokingly and sarcastically, there's like this little pebble of truth in it, and you know it. And they kind of said it to kind of tell you something. (laughs) Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, and I won't do that to you today. I'm just going to tell you straight up. But uh, (laughs) we're not going to go around the whole, you know. She said, you know what, Lynn? You need to teach your people, that's you all, submission. Woo! And I was offended. I have to say, it hit me like a brick on my chest. It hit me like a brick. And I actually came back because my husband wasn't present when this person said it. She doesn't go to our church. She's good, but I've known her for decades. And I was, I told man, I can't believe she said that to me. <laughs> it's like, are my people rebellious? What's going on here? You know what I mean? And, and she later apologized. She said, "I, you know, I, was, I shouldn't have said that. And she did. And, it, and she meant it. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit used that to stir my heart. And reminded me, said, Lynn, if you're going to have a muscle church, who function in healthy power and authority, you have to have a church that understands and practices healthy submission. It's the other side of the coin to power and authority. And we are to have a submissive heart to God. And we are to have a submitted heart to one another. Okay, we're getting deeper now. God, yes. Yes one another uh we are to have a submitted heart to authority structures that the lord has put in the world and we'll get there we're not going to go into detail about that but i'm just going to talk to you about having a heart of submission because the truth is this the heart of submission is the gateway to true biblical authority Today, actually, as I was praying, and it wasn't even during while I was preparing this message this week, the Lord said, "You need to take down the idol of arrogance because arrogance is the, one of the enemies to submission." And in our culture, in our U.S. culture, we don't like submission. Part of it is because we've seen abuse of it. We don't, and and so therefore our answer to the abuse is to have an attitude that we don't need to submit, but that is not what the Word of God says. Did you hear me? Okay. It's not what, I'm not saying what Lynn says. I'm not saying what somebody else says. I'm saying that's not what the Word of God says. And the truth is this. Those who do not practice submission will become abusers of power and authority, Hear me. This is foundational to everything I say. Those who do not practice submission will become abusers of power and authority. You see, there is nothing more dangerous than a muscle being used to beat someone up rather than build someone up, a muscle. See, a muscle can be used to beat someone up or build someone up. And we're going to be people who build one another up, build the body of Christ up, build the kingdom of God up, but we have to have a submitted heart. And one of the things in the church, and I've been in the church, as you all know, all my life, I was born on a... Sunday. You all know that. So when I die someday and you're doing my funeral, you're going to say, she was born on a Sunday. She kept telling us. She, all, you know, she swung for the fences. You have all of those phrases. You can do that. I'll be up there partying with Jesus. I'll be fine. Okay. So the thing is, is that I, I've seen what lack of submission can do. I've seen what abuse of authority can do, and I've seen what lack of submission can do. Both being on this, uh, the same side, the, the, the different sides of the same coin. And lack of submission can destroy unity in the body, witness. It can destroy witness to the community, and it can destroy healthy boundaries that God has set up for authority, okay? So we do not want submission to be misused in this house. I don't want submission to be used in your family either. I don't want submission to be misused in our culture, But we do need to talk about what submission is and how, as believers, what does the Word of God say? How do we apply it to our lives? I know what it is to be a recipient of abusive authority. I do know that as a single woman minister and as a married woman minister in my journey. And I know some of you in this room, if I would say, raise your hand if you feel like you've ever been under any sort of abuse of authority. I bet everyone in some context could say, whether it be a work context, a church context, a family context, whatever, could say that. But that is no excuse for us to step outside of what God has called us to be submitted. Right? Okay, so that's why I get it, but there's no excuse. And some of us have have used it as an excuse to not have a submitted spirit. You do need to run from abusers. Never believe that be, you do not have to be in an abusive context. So that is not what I'm saying, okay? However, we have people in the Scripture that learn things through their abusive context, and we're going to get into that. But you need to run from abusers. I am not saying to stay in an abusive context. However... Outside of that, we need to learn how to be submissive to one another, to the Lord, and to authority. The healthiest leaders who express authority in godly ways live a submitted life to one another. There is some form of of accountability that they have. Submission, a submitted leader, David and I, is an example should have accountable relationships, both personal and professional, that we have submission to, okay? That is not only for us personally, but it's also for you, right? Guess what? You all need that as well. It's not just us. It's you as well. Because I never want to be an abusive person. I don't want to be an abusive person um, knowingly or unknowingly. Do you understand? Sometimes people are abusive unknowingly, and we don't want that. So today's message, though, is not about abusive authority, but it's about how we are to be submission in submission according to the Word of God. Number one, Jesus. Jesus submitted to his Father. He only did what the Father desired. Jesus. Jesus' entire life on earth was in submission to his father. He did not do anything outside of his father's will. John 5, 19 says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. John 8, 28. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Jesus had a submitted attitude all the days of his life on earth. He had a submitted attitude to his Father. So Jesus walked in submission. Second thing, Jesus' will was submitted to the Father. The will, the concept of the will, which is super uh, significant to submission. Even when there was a conflict of desires, I think that this scripture where Jesus admits to having a conflict or a sense of my will is different than my Father's is significant. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42, this is when Jesus is in the garden. It's before he goes to the cross. He's in prayer. This is where one place where he sheds his blood. I don't know how many of you were here when I preached on the seven places where Jesus shed his blood for us. It has to do with areas of our life that we can have victory. This is the place where Jesus shed his blood so that his human will could be surrendered to his fathers. Okay? So that our human will can be surrendered. See, one of the greatest battles, we talk about the devil a lot, oh, the enemy, yeah, yeah, under my feet and all that. But you know what? One of the greatest battles is our will, our will, not somebody else's will, our own will. See, Jesus wanted this cup to pass from him, he didn't want to go to the cross. He said, take this cup from me. If you are willing, take this cup from me. But I surrender or I submit my will to you, Father. And see, this attitude, this this act of Jesus declaring the submission of his will and shedding the blood, the sweating drops of blood, Shows the victory that he purchased for us so that when we have to do things we don't want to do, really, whether it's for God or for others, we have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. It's gonna be a really quiet one today. It's not gonna be, hallelujah, I'm going to victory, woo woo woo. Devil's on my feet, I'm gonna prosper, fruitful, fruitful. Me submission, I don't really like my boss, <laughs> you know, I'm just being real, I don't really like my boss, you know, okay, but we're going to do this, all right, his blood was shed so that we can submit, period, Jesus is our model for submission, he is our model for submission, you see, in the Garden of Eden, way back when, all of our problems began, What was the sin that actually happened here? The fundamental sin was the lack of submission to God. The fundamental sin was lack of submission to God. In other words, I rebel against what God wanted. See, Eve wanted to do her own thing. Adam and Eve wanted to do their own thing. She wanted to be wise in her own eyes. Let's read. So now she's being engaged with... The serpent in Genesis 3, verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, so that's what he tells her. She thinks it sounds pretty good because she gets to remove God from the equation. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, we don't, I don't need to consult God anymore on things. I can remove him. I don't have to submit to him because now I have all the wisdom. I'm the top dog now in the universe. She took some and ate it. See, the concept was in the garden before sin, they lived under the canopy of submission to God. But when she had the opportunity with her own will to choose to remove God from the picture, she was willing to do it. I'll have all wisdom. I don't need God anymore. Isn't that what the world says right now? That we have all wisdom. We don't need God anymore. We don't, you know, God doesn't, you know, God is in you. God, you are God. It's such a, a, when you think about it, really foolish. Really? You know, all it takes is a train to just kind of, you know, (laughs) plow you over. And then God, who are you, who is you in the moment is dead. You know what I mean? It's like ridiculous. But we have this whole. New age, infiltration, even in Christians' viewpoints, that we don't need God. We don't need to consult God about how we raise our children. We don't need God for wisdom. And the truth is this. We do need God. And the way that we receive from the Lord is through our submission to him. Proverbs 3.7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord with reverent awe. Fear the Lord. Submit to the Lord with reverent awe. Proverbs, I just read through Proverbs. Proverbs. Listen, if you want some practical good stuff, go to the book of Proverbs. Read a, a chapter every day. Proverbs is about godly wisdom. Ecclesiastes is about human wisdom and how foolish it is. That's the difference. Some people think it's the same wisdom they're talking about. It's very different. But the problem is this. When we don't want to submit to God, we walk in arrogance and walk in our own understanding and think that our wisdom, rather than the wisdom of God, is better. The spirit of rebellion leads us to a pathway of doing our own thing with a prideful attitude.
2: I'm going to say that again.
0: The spirit of rebellion leads us to a pathway of doing our own thing with a prideful attitude. And that's what Eve did. She did her own thing, which led to a prideful attitude, which as a result of her and Adam thinking they can remove God as their the one by which has given them wisdom, When they removed their, they stepped outside of the canopy of being submitted to God, it became a catastrophe for us, all of us, the world. And that's what happens when we step out of submission to the Father. Jesus walked in submission to the Father. If Jesus needed to do it and he was God, so do we. Jesus never forced submission on others. This is important. Because I've seen, you know what forcing submission on others looks like as Christians? The Crusades. And you know what? To this day, in many parts of the world, the Crusades were like yesterday to them. For us, you know, Americans, we're like, oh, you know, we forget what the news was a couple weeks ago. I mean, it could be the biggest story. We can't remember because there's another news story. But in many parts of the world, their history is not forgotten. Easily, not forgotten at all. And the Crusades is an example of forcing something when it shouldn't have been forced. Jesus, in his walk, in his teaching, never forced submission on others. Submission to him, submission to God. Never did. Jesus looked for willing hearts that would submit. And this is important. If you're going to write anything down, I want you to write this down. Godly, biblical submission is voluntary. It's not involuntary. It's never forced. It's always voluntary. So you, so spiritual abuse is when somebody is trying to force you to do something, okay? You are never to be forced because it's between you and God, your will, between submitting your will to God, it's always voluntary. You always... Even today, you have the option to stay and submit or to leave. There is no God does not do a lock and key once you get inside and lock and key you. You always have the opportunity to walk away. Example, rich young ruler. You remember the story? Luke 18. Jesus encounters this man, he has some good intentions. He tells Jesus that he's obeyed the law. He tells him that he loves the, the, the and the first two commandments of the law, the law are what? Love God and love your neighbor, right? He tells him all these things, and then Jesus confronts the idol, the true idol in the man's life. Jesus says this in Luke 18, When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Now, why would Jesus want to get rid of, hey, he had a rich young ruler. I mean, Jesus could have used his support. Jesus didn't care. What he cared about is the true thing. Are you willing to submit to me? Sell everything that you have and distribute the money to the poor, and you will have abundant treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Those are the two things he asked him. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And then he walked away. And Jesus didn't run after him and say, let's renegotiate this contract. No. He said, this is it. The option to obey is set before you, but I'm not going to force you. You can come, stay, and join, but you have to submit. That's still the statement that the Lord brings to us today. Is that you have the, and even your friends or the people that you are, you know, would like to see come to know the Lord, you don't have to force them because it's up to them and their will. You cannot force them. You should not force them. It is up to them, just like it's up to you and the will that you have to surrender to the Lord. But this is the thing as well you can't stay and not submit. In other words, if you stay, you must submit. That's something that maybe our culture, our church culture, doesn't quite get sometimes. Because the truth is this, he's the Lord of our life. The word Lord means something. The word Lord says, I will submit to you. If he's my Lord, I am in submission to him. That's the concept of Lordship. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve the Lord and yourself. Did you hear me? You cannot serve the Lord and yourself. When you are serving yourself over the Lord's commands, you are in rebellion to the Lord. Listen. Man, it's going to be quiet in here. Okay. Okay. They are listening, that's the thing. Matthew 7, 21. This is a scripture that I put in last yesterday when I was praying because it really highlights that you cannot stay without submitting. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father... But he who does the will of my father, not everyone who says to me, I'm going to say it again, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me you who practice lawlessness. Interesting words. So Jesus is saying, you can walk in power all you want, but if you're not in submission to the will of the Father. And then he says, depart from me because you practice what? Lawlessness, which means lack of submission. It's pretty, it's pretty powerful. Listen, I want you to prophesy. I want you to cast it. So does Jesus. He de- he he told us to do it, but we don't do it with a non-submitted attitude. It also shows that people can have a lack of submission and still have a level of power, but they can be very harmful with that. And, and sometimes, I'm just going to make a little commercial, sometimes because people have seen, people outside of the church or people who have left the church have seen people function in power But those same people have had really raunchy attitudes. It has turned them away from the things of the Holy Spirit. Come on, Lynn. We're just going to go deep here. Because you're a muscle church and God's raising you up. Our submission to Christ's work gives us access to salvation. Okay, so this is important. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. You see, our first act of submission is to Christ and his work. So in order for us to step into salvation, we have submitted ourselves to Christ's work. And that submission is, gives us the ability to say no to the things that are trying to bring us back into to sin. John 1.12 says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To receive from somebody puts you in a state of submission. To, so they, to receive the work of Christ, you have to, according to Scripture, admit you have sinned. You have to believe in Jesus's work that you need. So it's all about submitting. See, the fact is this, you cannot receive salvation unless you th- believe you're a sinner. The world is trying to wipe away the word sin because the great way to sever the path to salvation is for me as a human to believe that I am not a sinner and I don't need Jesus. So if I can erase the concept of sin, then I, the person will never believe that they have sinned. And need the work of Christ, and need salvation. But for me to receive from Christ, I need to recognize, I need your work. I need to submit to the work of the cross. So our first act of submission is to God to receive the work. 1 John nine is if we confess our sins. To confess means to admit that I've done something wrong. We have that in the law. If you confess to the crime, you've admitted to something. So that's our first act of submission is to God so that we can receive the work. But see, that's our first act of submission, not our last act of submission. Some Christians think that's the last time they submit. <laughs> is when I'm saved, there we go. You know, now I'm gonna do my own thing. Thank you God for the grace. You know what? This is the thing. We are to live a life of submission. Okay, let's get into it. Biblical submission means we submit one to another. This is a concept that's not popular to U.S. people, United States, because we are individualistic. We're not group-oriented culture. So we have difficulty with this sometimes. But the church doesn't matter. The church, it doesn't matter if it's countercultural. We're not of this world. We're of the kingdom of God. Amen. We're of the kingdom of God. We're not Americans first. Just like I tell Indians when I go preach at in, in India, I say, you're not Indians first. You're of God's kingdom first. That's, guess what? You're not Americans first. You're of God's kingdom first. So those things that are culturally biased and things that are cultural for us that have been uh, inserted into our thought thinking and how we were raised and developed as people, listen, if it's conflicting with the kingdom of God, then we have to say, you know what? I need to change. I am not of this world. I am of God's kingdom. Ephesians 5.21 says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's an important scripture because Paul does go into what we call the household codes when he talks about husbands and wives and, and different Aspects, But before he even goes into how husband, the the structure, the authority structure of the home, of the family, he says this, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. This is the overarching or the canopy of everything. Submission to one another. In Romans 12.10, Paul writes, be devoted to one another in love honor one another above yourselves submission is not just an action i've been i've counseled many people and they have an action of submission but they don't have an attitude of submission scripture reveals that for unity to happen we need to be in submission to one another one problem that we have in the us right now is we have chaos we are have division we have anger. We have pointing of the finger. We have abusive authority. You blame it. We have it all going on. We have lack of respect for one another. Is this true or not? It's true. We cannot let that infiltrate into the church, into our house, into our attitudes. That's why this is so important. Be devoted to one another and love. Honor one another above yourselves. We have to have the attitude and action that unity, and in order for unity to happen, in order for unity to happen, we have to have submission to one another. You cannot have unity and everybody doing their own thing. It doesn't make sense. Romans 12.3 says this, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. He addresses something. He addresses the mindset. He uses the word think. Remember, the re- we are transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. We need to really check our thought life when it comes to other people. We need to think of ourselves with sober judgment. What is sober judgment? I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you a good example. Sober judgment is when you say, you know what? You have food in your teeth and food on your face. And, and not realizing, guess what? You have food in your teeth and food on your face. See, it's easy to find food on somebody else's teeth. Man, she has food on her teeth. Not knowing. You've got, you got grocery land in your teeth right we can see other people's faults because we're looking we can't see our own sober judgment is this I know I got food on my teeth I better go check I better actually go and ask you David can you check my teeth I, got, I need to floss and we do that all the time actually check my teeth you know what I'm saying sober judgment is the recognition next time you got food in your teeth you say sober judgment about myself sober judgment honor one another It's the recognition that I do have food in my teeth. I get food in my teeth. Just like I see food on somebody else's face, I get food on my face too. And I walk with the understanding soberly that that's the way I am as a human being. You also need to recognize that. People have faults. People have failures. People are different than you. That's okay. We are different God established it that way, that the kingdom of God and the church and the body of Christ are going to have a lot of different people with a lot of different talents, with a lot of different journeys, with a lot of different growth trajectories as a believer. And we are to have sober judgment regarding one another. And that means I recognize I have stuff and they have stuff. And my stuff isn't any better or worse than their stuff. And I need to honor them, whoever it may be, and love them, right? That's one thing that our culture is not doing. But we're not of this culture. We're of God's kingdom. And we are to work in harmony with one another. There are people that are very different than you and think very differently than you in this church. And the more people that come in this church, the more there will be that, And the more we need to honor one another and have sober judgment about ourselves. See, unity, for the Apostle Paul writing to the new church in the first century, unity was the most important thing. Over power and authority, unity was more important. Romans 12.5 says this, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all others we are supposed to be different but in order for us to function healthily we have to be in submission to one another do you hear me We will not be healthy if we're not in submission. Your body functions healthily if it's in submission to one another. The different systems work alongside one another. Your body functions that way. That's the way God made your body. When it begins to attack itself, there's a disease going on. And in the same way, we have to recognize the complementary aspects of differences in our body. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12.12 says this. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and the Corinthian church was having a problem with unity. They were having a problem with abuse of power. See, when we have a problem with abuse of power, we'll have a problem with unity, right? And so Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. See, they're having problems with respecting one another, honoring one another. And Paul in Corinthians is saying your gifts, your spiritual gifts, are not the priority. What's the priority? The unity of the body. The unity of the body. It's interesting because later in in 1 Corinthians 4.20, it's a very popular uh, scripture. It's not up here. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of words but of power. So Paul's saying, wow, power is significant. But what is he meaning here? What's the context of that? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of words but of power. The context is power for unity. See, the greatest power is the power for unity. Because as humans, we get rebellious. Remember Adam and Eve? Their very first thing that they did was have division with God. And then it ultimately resulted in division with one another, domination and everything. The greatest power of the Holy Spirit over us is the power for us to live in unity together. So because when we are in unity and we function in power and authority in the various ways that God has called us to, according to your gifts and callings and assignments, when we function in unity, we function with greater power and the enemy cannot defeat us. But he likes to get into division because he knows if he can divide us, then we step outside of God's blessing. We do. We step outside of God's blessing when we are in division. So we are to submit also to leaders. Ooh, this is when it gets really tough. God, one another, okay. Submit to leaders. There are three realms of authority. I'm not going to go into them but God has established just for your way of thinking in scripture family, government and church. There's three realms of authority. And they're all spoken about in scripture and actually God has established it in a way when you think about it, if you logically go through it, that they are in submission to one another. In other words, there's laws regarding the family, right? That the government has put in place. It's an example there's the church and the family. There's spiritual laws. But one thing is, is that God, according to scripture, God is the authority over all of those things, right? God is the ultimate authority over all three arenas. And it's important to remember, and this is, showed, was sh- is shown in the book of Acts, that. When one of those authorities and one of those arenas is asking or demanding of you to do something that's against the supreme authority, you are not to do it. Okay, did you hear me? I've had, I've had women say, I'm supposed to submit to my husband and he wants all this crazy stuff. I'm like thinking, yeah, but it's against the word of God. And God is your supreme authority. I mean, I've, got, I've had some crazy talk going on. Well, Scripture says submit to your husband. Yeah, it does. As unto the Lord, by the way. Let's read the rest of the sentence. Yes, you are. But if he's asking you to do crazy stuff against the word of God, I've had some crazy conversations. Because the ultimate authority is the Lord. And how do we know what he says about things is through what? The Word of God. That's why you have to know the Word of God. So he's the ultimate authority over all realms. And God has established all authority. Romans 13 says this, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. That's a pretty tough statement, isn't it? The authorities that exist have been established by God. So you see, people... Do not express authority perfectly. Do you you realize that? There is no perfect person in authority. And we in this world can see that, right? Even in the church, there is not perfect authority. That's why submitting to the Holy Spirit is so important for all of us because we are not perfect. In the family, the world of the family, there is no perfect parents, except for David and I. (laughs) Crash, burn, okay. No such thing. And that's why the significance of submitting one to another is important because there's checks and balances for our authority. But all believers are called to submission to authority. And respecting the realms of authority is part of our calling as Christians. This is going to be a quiet service. Okay, Lynn, just accept it. Respecting the realms of authority is part of our calling as Christians. Respecting the realms of authority. Respecting church leadership, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord. And who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Hebrews 13, 7 and 8. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. It's asking the believers to be respectful and to cooperate, period. One scripture in the Old Testament that I love Because it has to do with the commanded blessing of unity. Psalms 133. I want to point something out here that has to do with authority. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on whose beard? Who was Aaron? The priest who is in charge of the people, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, or according to other texts, bestows means commands his blessing. There is a commanded blessing in unity. Aaron's beard is significant because the leadership are the protectors of unity. In a diverse community of people, you all are diverse, you all come from different areas of life and different walks and different childhoods and different uh, dynamics, thinking, ways of thinking. There's diversity, and the leader's goal and charge by God is for unity. See? So when problems are coming, our goal is unity. Why? Because if we allow division... We are stepping outside of commanded blessing. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you want this house to be blessed? Then we want to be submitted one to another, right? Because there is commanded blessing in unity. And God will protect that blessing. God's delegated, God delegates authority to people, but they will be judged for their use of authority. Some of you in your mind while you're listening to me thinking, but what about this person in my life? And what about this person? And that person was really bad, you know, a person in authority and hurt me, stuff like that. You know what you need to do with that? Let it go and leave it to the Lord. Because what happens with it is that it becomes toxic to your spirit and it begins to transfer onto others, okay? Okay. James three one says this: Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. This scripture permeates in my head. The fact that I'm up here, when I stand before the Lord, I have a more God will deal with me more strictly than you. I know that. You need to realize. And, and be at peace with God. Will take if people are misusing their authority, God's going to take care of it. He will address it. He's got your back, but that doesn't give you license to step into rebellion. That doesn't give you license to have an unsubmitted attitude. Okay. First Timothy four sixteen. He writes. Watch your life and doctrine closely. He's writing to young Timothy, a new pastor. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Our authority, when we have been called to be an authority in the church, Pastor David and I and anybody else that steps into authority, whether it's paid, you're getting paid or not, you are to watch your life and doctrine closely. Because we are examples for people to follow. How many times have I heard someone use as an excuse for their own sin that their leader has sinned? So, well, they do it, so I guess it's okay if I do it. Is it okay if I do this, Pastor Lynn? Knowing good and well that they want my permission for them to do something that's against the word of God. Because there's a sense of if she says it's okay, then it's okay. I'm off the hook. But that's but that's why, as leaders, we are held to a responsibility. I say this in the concept of submission is that you can be assured, God says, vengeance is mine. If you have had people who have abused leadership in your life, you know what? Let it go and leave it up to the Lord. The Lord says to you, Vengeance is mine. It's not for you to repay. It's not for you to repay. In the book of Peter. Peter writes a lot about uh, submission, and this is the thing. Peter, the book of Peter, this letter was written to a persecuted church, a severely, listen, severely persecuted church in the first century by the emperor Nero. This was the era. This was the time. This was the beginnings of Christians being led into the Colosseum to fight the lions to be used as entertainment for the Roman Empire. This was the time, and this is what Peter, the apostle, writes to the people. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Um, they're going to the Colosseum. Is that not tough words? is Is there a footnote here? Nope, no footnote. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Interesting. Your weapon to fight this is for you doing good. Not fight, not being rebellious, but for you doing good. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is from Peter to the persecuted church. Now those are some tough words. And I, and I think that there's an example that is being set for us as believers. I'm, you, you know what the honest truth is? We live in America, and we have a lot of freedom, and it's not that tough. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not that tough. It's really not. We were with, just with pastors who were beaten, taken from, by village people and beaten because they were building a church. Blood was shed for those churches to be built. People died for those churches to be built. They kind of get the first century, first Peter, I think. We don't have it that tough. And sometimes that can give us almost license to not build the muscle, to not build the muscle of submission. And the Lord is still calling us to be submissive. So what are some of the benefits of submission? Wisdom. Having wisdom. I'm gonna finish this up. Being taught is connected to submission and wisdom. You need to have a submitted heart so that you can be wise. Proverbs ten seventeen. I'm not gonna read the scripture. Listening is connected to submission. What is? You have all been very submissive today. You've listened so good. <laughs> Get off your phone. Oh no, just kidding. Okay. Listening is connected to submission. Just write down the scriptures, Proverbs twelve fifteen, Proverbs 9, 9. You are wise when you listen. Do you ignore correction? Proverbs 12, 1. I like this scripture. It does use the word that we always tell kids don't use the S word, and they're using the S word in the scripture. Whoever loves instruction and discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof and correction is stupid. That's what. The S word is used. And refusing instruction leads to poverty and shame. So, and that's Proverbs 13, 18. I won't read it. This is the thing. Submission is not to impoverish you. It is to bring favor for your life, wisdom for your life, prosperity. See, God didn't set you up to fail. God's putting this in as a command for us. So that we prosper. It is you will be fruitful. See, that's the thing. But the enemy would like to tell you differently. Submission yields delegated authority from God. I'm going to leave with this. There's a story in Scripture. It's the story of the centurion. And his servant is sick. And he sends somebody to Jesus to say, My servant is going to die. And it's very telling in the story what the centurion already understands because he knows what it means to submit. You see, his ability to believe that Jesus can heal has to do with the fact that he knows what submission is all about. Luke 7, 6 says this. Now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was not far from the house, the the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes, and to another, come. And he comes, and to my slave, do this. And he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. You see, this man understood the power and authority of Jesus because he understood submission. And his ability to submit in his own life, Released his faith in Jesus. See, when we don't know how to submit, we don't know how to walk in authority. Because for us to learn how to walk in authority, we have to first learn to submit. Why would you hand somebody something, a responsibility, if there was no level of understanding regarding that? They would foolishly wield that. But when we are with God, God wants us to be in submission to him, submission to the word of God, so that when we wield the power and authority that he has purchased for us, we do it in a way that is beneficial, goodness, kindness, peacefulness, fruitfulness, not leaving people in harm, but leaving people better off as a result of encountering us as Followers of Jesus Christ. You see, our ability to surrender ourselves to the Lord releases the faith to be the vessel of God. See, our submission to the Lord. See, Jesus submitted himself to the Father, and he was the vessel of the Holy Spirit's power, wasn't he? My Father and I are one. I only do what the Father is doing. I don't go do my own thing. I don't try to plow over other people. I do what the Father says for me to do. And you know what? This is the thing. I just want us today to check our own hearts. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff and get to the very last thing. Let's check our own hearts today. Do we have areas in our lives that we say, you know what? I need to submit. I need to search my own heart. It's not about you pointing it out in somebody else. It's asking the Holy Spirit to check. And one thing about submission, it's not, oh, I am a submissive person. It's today am I a submissive person? <laughs> Do you see the difference? <gasps> today am I being submissive. See, because it's a daily thing. One day I can be s- submitted to the Lord and the next day or, and into his ways, submitted to his ways, or, or I can have a rebellious attitude. I can have an attitude that's not submitted to the Lord. And that's something that only you can check. It's not for somebody to point out in you, unless you're so rebellious and you're so blind. I don't know. Maybe. Sometimes other people have to point it out. But hopefully there's a maturity. Those who are mature will say, you know what, I need to check my own heart.
2: I surrender all. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all, Let's sing it again. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my. Blessed Savior, I surrender all.
0: I want you to stand. Worship team, you can
2: come up here. I surrender all. I surrender all. To Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Is there some hurt in you?
0: Is there something that you say, you know what, I need to have a submitted attitude towards? You know, it could be something very private in your life. Maybe you've been really wounded and you react out of that. Maybe there's something, some, somebody in your life, maybe a boss, maybe in your job, maybe in your family. Maybe just send to the Lord in certain areas of your life. You don't want to be told what to do. And the Lord is saying, you know what? For you to go into the next level, power and authority, it's a gateway to your authorities. You have to be submitted to me. If it was good enough to Jesus, who did something he didn't want to do. See, Scripture says, he said, not my will, but your will be done. Some of us, we need to get to the place where we can say, regarding certain things, regarding everything, Lord, it's not my will, but your will be done. I can tell you I've lived this journey. I can tell you that. I've lived the journey where I wished God would take somebody out that was abusive. And I'm like, God, go get him!" And God did it. And I'm like, what? And it's like 20 years later, you know, I was like, well, thanks a lot, God. It was like 20 years later. I understand it. I get it. Some of you have been hurt in marriages. Divorce as a result of maybe some of some levels of abuse or where you you your efforts were there to have submission and theft, but it backfired, it didn't work out the way, in you're like, man, I'm never gonna do that again. And the Lord says, you know, I want to heal your heart. Some of you in your workplace, you're having a hard time. And the Lord's saying, you know what? I put you there, and I have given you the Holy Spirit to be able to have a submitted attitude towards your boss, honoring your co workers. Some of you have hard co workers. You're like, man, Lord, I pray every day, deliver me, Lord. And the Lord's like, nope. <laughs> Come on, you know it's real. Let's get real. And the Lord's saying, no, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you something because that's your gateway for authority.
2: That's our prayer.
0: your prayer make it your prayer here. Some of you, maybe you need to be prayed with. Some of you may may need to just take a time with the Lord on your own. We'll, We'll pray in a minute. doing hard things. No one said it was going to be easy. But he gave you the power. And he gave you the power to become children of God. And this is what it means to be a child of God. To have the power to do something that is very countercultural, to have the power to do something that combats the enemy that is very different than what the world tells you to do but he's given you the power to become children of God let's bow our heads let's pray and I'll release you to go and those of you that like to spend time with the Lord on your own feel free if you would like personal prayer come down Lord we just thank you Father for your word and we submit to that (laughs) We submit to your word. And we, Father, just like the rains have saturated the earth over the last few weeks, even months, we're allowing your word to saturate us and touch every area of our life. And Lord, this word is going to come back to us during the week as you marinate it in our life it will be marinated in our life. And we will have challenges for this. But Lord, all we have to do is go to you and say, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me in this moment. Help me in this moment. Put a guard on my tongue. Make me wise, Lord. Make me wise. I don't have to react out of my flesh. I can Have the Holy Spirit fill me and be full of your wisdom. Lord, we thank you, Father, for you desire that we are muscle Christians. We walk out of this place countercultural. In a world filled with division and hate and pointing of the finger and blaming and rebellion, Lord, we walk out of this place in unity. We walk out of this place surrendered to you, Lord. We walk out of this place in submission. We walk out of this place full of power and authority. And we thank you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. May the Lord bless you as you go. Have a great week. If you would like prayer,
2: you can come forward.